0: We're kicking off episode 344 of Monster Kid Radio with a song called In the Soup. It is from the surf band The Island Girls. They're based in Nova Scotia. Their album is called The Island Girls. You can find them over at Bandcamp at theislandgirls.bandcamp.com. I'm using this song In the Soup. Well, there's a reason for that, and I'll get to that here in a second after I introduce myself. My name is Derek M. Cook, the writer, producer, and host of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not-so-classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I want to welcome you to the show. Why am I playing In the Soup? Well, one, it's a pretty cool song. Two, previous guest of Monster Kid Radio, Micah Harris, referred to what we're doing this week on the show as Turtle Soup, because we're going to be talking about two films, kind of. We're going to be talking about Gamera. Gamera the Invincible. We're going to be taking a look at the Japanese and the American version of Gamera. You know, the Kaiju who's filled with turtle meat. Yeah, I went there. And I'm going to go there again when I have a new person on the show. This week, I'm being joined by Andrew Roebuck. He is a contributor to Bloody Good Horror. Well, he took some time with me here on Monster Kid Radio to talk about one of his favorite kaiju beasts. And it's a fun time. It's a great conversation. Of course, we do also play the Classic Five because that's what you do when you're a first-time guest on Monster Kid Radio. It's a fun chat. You're going to hear that here in a little bit. First, though, I've got a voicemail.
1: <laughs> Hello, Derek. This is Dr. Paul Barra here at the Tenement Castle. It's very nice to know that you like the same horrible old movies that I do. Me and Benjamin Brock just want to wish you a happy and, uh, <laughs> and healthy life being part of the Monster Kid world. <laughs> and as I like to say to all of my things, all of my things everywhere, <laughs> I'll be lurking for you. W-D-O-G, as far as the eye can see. <laughs> okay, actually, it's Dwight Tampa. But I did a spot on impression of Dr. Paul Bearer, who was my uh, 1970s uh, horror host for quite some time. I even won a pair of roller skates because of my classic portrait of Frankenstein by Dwight of Seminole. Uh yes I never did turn it in for the skates because I just wanted to keep the certificate with the signature on it <clears throat> so yes uh I've been watching your uh, or actually listening uh, to your latest podcast with the woman eater which uh which when you kept saying that it was a man eating plant clearly it was not a man eating plant it was a woman eating plant it's even in the title uh, but yes. Anyway, I, I would like to uh, say thank you to the chap in New Zealand who liked my vocal impressions, and and just for him and you, here are some other ones. Since you're going to be doing an upcoming podcast on Fantastic Voyage, here is my impression of Donald Pleasance about to be eaten by a white corpuscle. Grant, help me carry out. <laughs> My hands are trapped. Can't move. Can't move my hands. I can't move my hands. Can't move my hands. Can't move my hands. Get me out. Get me out of here. Get me out. Get me out. Ah, and that was also spot on. You've got to admit it. If you, well, of course, you wouldn't know if you haven't seen the movie. I think I might have spoiled it for you. Oh, well. Anyway, there's a whole lot of things that happened before the. ah! Ooh, so you'll enjoy that. Oh, here's my impression of the invisible man. You're crazy to know who I am, aren't you? All right, I'll show you. Here's a video for you, and one for you. I'll show you who I am, and what I am. <laughs> <laughs> He's all eaten away. Yeah, how you like that, eh? <laughs> all right, my, my last one, Mr. McDougal... From Abaddon Costello meet Frankenstein. Are you crazy? I've been here all the time. Now get me those crates. How long have you been here? Five minutes. What are you beefing about? I've been here for five years. You don't see me going there. Go. Here's the insurance slip and here's the bill of lading. Now get me those crates. So, anyway.
0: Wright is a monster kid. He's an author. He's a storyteller. He's a murder mystery maker. Uh, I don't know what the official term is there, but he's also a performer. I've seen him act in a few things, and obviously he knows how to use his voice to create some awesome impersonations. That Paul Bear impersonation is fantastic. You know, I don't think I've seen any Paul Bearer horror host segments. I really need to. I've heard the guy speak in, in other things, so I guess maybe I would have seen something. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I love the voice. The Invisible Man, The Rolling R's, dude, (laughs) those were gorgeous. Of course, uh, Fantastic Voyage. Uh, One of these days, I'm going to get with Scott and talk about that film. Uh, Mr. McDougal from Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein, wonderful film. I do have to ask you, though, do you still have the certificate that you got from Dr. Paul Bearer? That's that's what I want to know. Thank you for calling in, Dwight. And we got to have you back on the show here soon, probably beginning of 2018. What do you think? Can we find something to talk about? I'm, I'm sure we can. I have another voicemail that's been sitting here for several weeks now. It's from Jeff Pullier. We're going to play that near the end of the show. So stay tuned for that. And, well, it's about Scarathon, the amazing event that happened at the Joy Cinema at the end of October. And he tells us a little bit about some of the other movies he saw during the Halloween season as well. So we're going to play that after the conversation with Andrew Roebuck about Gamera and Gamera the Invincible. That's all happening right after this.
2: Let's prepare for a landing, Brad. Okay.
3: In a 40G gravity atmosphere, strange thing happens to man's body and mind (laughs) Barry Sullivan and Norma Bengel take you into the most fantastic science fiction adventure ever filmed emergency
4: emergency conditions desperate little chance of survival help us Mark look what have you got? the galliot
2: Bert get me a fix on this right now Wes Brad controls
3: Planet of the Vampires. Harboring a form of life worse than death. Planet of the Bloodless. Creatures who take men's bodies, but attack like vampires.
2: I'll tell you this, if there are any intelligent creatures on this planet, there are
3: enemies. In this outer space world, the living dead try to escape into life.
2: Dallas. no just his body and i'm just one of many beings on this planet and we're fighting to survive it's imperative that our race continue to exist we arranged for several of you to kill each other so that we could take over your bodies you are our last
3: chance no never we will all of us give up our lives to save our own race <laughs>
5: From a world beyond our own, come the forces of nature unleashed. Daikaiju Attack, the serialized giant monster story. Presented free every week on DaikaijuAttack.com and SDSullivan.com. Become a member of the Daikaiju Attack group on Facebook. Join the action today.
3: Giant entertainment, giant terror, the war of the gargantuan, and Monster Zero. Do you see anything? From a planet 50 million miles beyond the stars came a strange message. Lend us your Rodan and Godzilla to fight our Monster Zero. Earth answered and the most dreaded creatures ever to walk our planet are lifted into outer space. The stage is set for the mightiest battle ever seen by the universe in Monster Zero. All forces on Earth ready to attack. What started out as a call for help from space turns into a nightmare of terror on Earth, Monster Zero, and the War of the Gargantua. It began with a mysterious wild storm at sea, and before the night was over, the whole world would hear of the terror of the gargantuan. Where had such a monster come from? What forces created such a devastating destroyer? Who or what could stand up to it? Armies fought the monster with million volt laser beams. Hey, look! Another one! You'll see all of their terrifying battle to the death when you come to the greatest monster movies ever made The War of the Gantuas and Monster
6: Zero.
1: I am Dracula, and I bid you welcome
5: to the podcast devoted to the classic, and sometimes not so classic, genre cinema of yesteryear. And I offer you this warning.
0: Sometimes Derek and his guests get excited, and they may
5: spoil a movie or two. You know how excited monster kids can get sometimes. If Monster Kid Radio spoils a movie for you, do not come whining to me. I cannot stand whines.
0: You know, here on Monster Kid Radio, we're big fans of all things giant monsters. And while we don't stick to nothing with giant monsters, that Kaiju cast does that just fine. We do like to bring them in every once in a while. And when Andrew Roebuck mentioned that he loves Gamera, I thought, you know, this is a perfect opportunity to talk about the first Gamera film in Japan. As well as how it got released over here, Andrew is a writer for Bloody Good Horror. Welcome to
7: Monster Kid Radio. Ah, oh, Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm always pumped to talk about Gamera, especially the old ones, because they never get enough love in my mind.
0: You know, we've talked about Gamera briefly here on the show many, many moons ago. I mentioned the Kaiju cast. Uh, Kyle came on and we talked about the Gamera trilogy from the 90s. And while those are great, I think you're right. I think the originals, uh, the first run, especially the very first film... The Japanese
7: edition. Wow. Uh, it's completely different in tone, and I'm stoked to talk about it with you here. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's got actually a lot to dig into it. A bit more than people uh, usually give it credit for, I think.
0: Yeah, Gamera kind of has this, I don't know, friend to children kind of vibe. And while there's a little bit of that in this... It's a dark film in spots, and I really enjoyed viewing it, and I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, also, some weird Cold War
7: undertones, which are going to be interesting to talk about, too.
0: Yeah, more so than, say, like the Godzilla run. There's a little bit of that in there, and there's one shot in particular I found very unnerving, but but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, though, so, <laughs> you know, because here on Monster Kid Radio— there's something we do with every new list or new guest on the show. We have a, a game that we play called the Classic Five. For listeners who don't know, the Classic Five is a, a game where I've got a deck of cards here and I, I've got the prototype here that I was using at Monster Bash not too long ago. Every card has a yes or no, this or that style question. They all have to do with monster movies. It gives listeners an opportunity to learn a little bit more about our guests. Andrew, are you ready to play?
7: Oh, yeah. The Classic I Five. I, I've been studying. There might be one or two I haven't seen, but I'm i'm going i've been trying to study and make sure i got them all but we'll see
0: (laughs) okay all right here we go uh this this is a random pick here there are five different categories actually in the classic five there's a general core deck so to speak a hammer deck a universal deck a kaiju deck and then what we call the deep cut which is really really deep uh super nerdery so (laughs) (laughs) all right so uh it's all random like i said um so we might not get every category here. First card right off the top. What is your favorite
7: Vincent Price film? Ooh, my favorite Vincent Price film. There are so, so many I like. Vincent Price is amazing. One that's a little bit off the cuff and doesn't get talked about. I really like Return of the Fly, the, the sequel. I, I think that's actually really interesting. And I like the role Price t- plays in that.
2: Do you hear? It's coming back turning the screen into a buzzing, crawling, creeping nightmare of terror. This is the son of the original fly, daring to explore the forbidden science of transmigration that brought horrible death to his father. You
5: look as if you've just seen a ghost, old man.
6: It was the fly.
2: Fear that will fasten its choking grip on you as his weird experiments spawn the twisted monstrosities of a living hell. The rat man whose hands and feet are changed to paws. The living corpse who rose from his coffin. And the return of the fly, seeking revenge with a thousand eyes, smashing anything that stands in his way. he does come here what if Philippe does not have the mind of a human
3: but the murderous brain of the fly then he will have to be destroyed
7: that's a weird choice but for some reason that's the one I kind of want to say return to the fly it is underrated. I think that one and the
0: third film in the run, Curse of the Fly, they don't get talked about as much, uh, partly because they're lower budget affairs. They're black and white. The first one was in color. But no, Return of the Fly is good, man. I think it actually gives Vincent Price a little bit more to kind of dive into as well.
7: Yeah, no, for sure. It's a, it's one that doesn't get talked about a lot, so
0: I give it some love. Okay. So card number two. Oh, this one is from the universal side of things. Oh. Okay. Dr. Septimus Pretorius or Dr. Gustav Niemann?
7: Oh, they're both so – oh my goodness. If this is any other doctor, it would be so easy. Uh, I, I love Neiman, uh, but I got to go Pretorius. I got to go Pretorius. Here's the gods and monsters.
0: That's right. That's right. Somebody who also, in my mind, doesn't get enough love. I mean when you think about the classic universal run, you obviously think about the monsters and Dr. Frankenstein and all that. But I don't feel like Dr. Pretorius gets
7: enough love. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I was really thrilled to see him in that the MonsterVerse uh, little trailer where they showed all of their classic monsters. They did get some Praetorius in there, so maybe we'll be getting more of him. I hope so. I would hope so. I hope he so. he's one of the true monsters in my heart. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. All right.
0: Okay, this one's probably a no-brainer. It's from the Kaiju deck. What's your favorite non-Toho
7: Kaiju? Oh, my favorite non-Toho Kaiju oh i mean i i know it's it's i'm talking about them right now i gotta go gamera i love them i love gamera and i cannot get enough of the colossal colonian uh so <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna go with gamera all right yeah fair enough I, it's kind of a no-brainer
0: like i said considering <laughs> what we're here to talk about all right card four. Oh, deep cut here we go okay planet of the vampires or planet of the apes
7: Ooh, i, I have not seen planet of the vampires is it good It's good. Oh, I'll have to to check that one out. Sorry. No, I haven't seen that one. That's okay. So so by default then. (laughs) Oh, yeah. By default. I love Planet of the Apes, though, so don't get me wrong.
2: Discover Planet of the Apes. A civilization where humans run wild in the jungles. Superior beings are apes.
3: Now the tribunal has placed you in my custody for final disposition. Do you realize what that means? No. Emasculation to begin with. An experimental surgery on the speech centers, on the brain. And a kind of living
6: death.
7: I love playing the so.
0: Fair enough. Alright, and here's another one from the Kaiju side of things. The final card. What's your favorite kaiju era? Showa, Heisei or Millennium?
7: Ooh, well, as much as I love the Heisei era because I think it has some amazing Gamera films and it does have some a really good run for Godzilla, I got to go Showa. There's just so much in the Showa era because even if you skip out of Gamera and Godzilla, then you got Daimajin, you got War of the Gargantuan, you got Frankenstein Conquers the World. You've got all of these amazing movies, even weird ones like Gappa the Trifibian Monster. I kind of really dig that one as well. Yeah uh yes there's just more to pick from from the show era and as such there's some really good ones in that era
0: yeah it kind of laid the groundwork too for everything i mean there's just so much
7: yeah no for sure it's just uh, that's why they call it the kaiju boom there's just so much even on tv it's a great everywhere you go oh man i I could start talking
0: ultraman for days (laughs) so yeah i yeah i'll reel it in though this isn't the ultraman podcast but someday i'll do one i'm sure Anyway, so that was the Classic 5. How do you feel? Do you think you survived it
7: okay? I think I survived it okay, and I think I need to go see Planet of the Vampires.
0: Yeah, it, it is good. It, it's very different than Planet of the Apes, but it is very, <laughs> very good. It, it's The colors, I mean, it's Mario Baba. So.
7: Oh, oh, it's Mario. Oh, okay. Is it known by any other titles, or is it just Planet of the Vampires?
0: I'm sure there's an Italian title I can't pronounce. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it came out, I think there's a Blu-ray release.
7: Oh, okay. I'll take. I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll have to add that one to my queue then.
0: Yeah, it's it's good. Interested to hear what you think of it when you do see it. But first we gotta talk about Gamera. Oh yeah.
4: Pounding across the motion picture screen comes the most terrifying monster of them all. Gamera the invincible. Gamera, the super monster that even the H-bomb cannot destroy. Gamera the Invincible. Gamera, consuming raw atomic power power to destroy entire cities. Open fire! Man's most destructive weapons have no effect on Gamera the Invincible. The mightiest nuclear weapons ever devised are powerless against Gamera the Invincible. Is humanity doomed? Will the world be destroyed? The United Nations is called to emergency session in a last desperate effort to save the world. We have one plan that we think might work. We have discussed Plan Z with the Japanese authorities, and they agree it is the best of our alternative plans. Is that correct, sir? That is so. Plan Z is hope of the world. A cast of thousands at the mercy of the most terrifying monster that ever lived. Brian Donlevy as General is Arnold. is beyond comprehension. He must be stopped now. Albert Decker, as the Secretary of Defense, will Plan Z stop Gamera. Gamera, the invincible. So we
0: got to talk about Gamera because, I mean, come on. It's Gamera. Oh, yeah. He's really neat. <laughs>
7: oh. He's
0: filled with, I'm not going to go oh, there.
7: We're oh, go- we're, go- we're going there already. <laughs> <laughs> So I
0: was just referencing uh, MST3K's take on Yammer, which I think a lot of Americans – that may have been their first exposure, at least for the the wider audience.
7: But you're not an American. You're up in Canada, right? I I am up in Canada. MST3K, I do like them. I do like what they do. Mm -hmm. I always kind of had an issue with how they treated Kaiju Ega because they had a tendency to call the models toys, which I never really liked because I knew people worked hard on that, and I kind of thought that was a little disrespectful. But in the newer season that just came out, they actually kind of – Correct, course corrected that a bit because they did have the Youngari episode and the Reptilicus episode. And in both, they call them models. They don't call them toys. So that's kind – of, I, I appreciate what they do. I, I know that they brought a lot of popularity to Gamera, but I don't really like watching kaiju movies in that style.
0: You know, you brought up the new mst 3 k and I only watched the first episode. I only watched Reptilicus. What did you think of their take on Reptilicus? And I guess you said they did
7: Youngari as well. Did they – I don't know. Did do, do they do it right? Um, I had fun with it. Yeah, I definitely had fun watching with them. So I think I think they did good and they weren't as mean. The older MST3K, wall fun, and they did have some biting humor, they did seem to go a little meaner where I think they were a little nicer in the newer version. So it was kind of more of you're having fun with the film kind of thing instead of kind of having fun at the expense of the – if that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. No, that makes
0: personal sense. I don't have the rights to play it, so I'm not going to, but I believe it's on YouTube. In the first episode in Reptilicus, so they have that little, every country has a kaiju rap.
7: Oh, oh yeah. That was really good. I actually, that that is the best part of that episode, oh, yeah? I think. That was
0: really <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. I like that a lot, actually. I thought it was cute. It, it is fun. It does, you know, it does kind of highlight. I mean, Yangari's not from Japan, you know, and then there's uh, the one in, uh, what was it, North Korea, and then, of course, Gorgo in the UK. So, yeah, I mean, they're all over the place, but I think Japan is really known as the home of the kaiju. I mean, it's right there in the name. Kaiju is a Japanese word. I mean, it, that's where these monsters come from
7: and live. And boy, would I hate to live in Tokyo or any of these other places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not It's not one of those uh, fantasy universes in which you wish you were a part of. That's for sure. <laughs> Definitely not with the kaiju.
0: <laughs> but what if you were a little kid with a little baseball cap? You always wore just a little askew, you know, just a little... <laughs>
7: <laughs> oh man, you'd you'd be amazing. You'd have a great life. Either you'd be hanging out with baby Godzilla or you'd be hanging out with Gamera. It would be amazing. <laughs>
0: So when did you first discover Gamera? Was it through mst 3 k or how did you stumble across this giant turtle? Or what, what did you call him? The Colossal what? The Colossal
7: Colonian. August Ragone calls him that. In a, he, They did a Shout Factory thing and I really caught on to that nice. title. I really liked it. Um, yeah, so I kind of got introduced to Gamera in kind of a, a fluke. It was kind of like an offshoot of what I had experienced with Godzilla where it was all through my parents' generation because my parents would watch – uh, they they watched Sir Graves Ghastly, I believe. Oh nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They were, they were a big fan of watching him when uh, when they were younger. And so they experienced a lot of the kaiju films in that regard. And unfortunately, at the time, because when I was growing up, it was easy for them to find Godzilla films. So I got introduced to Godzilla first. And then afterwards, uh, many years later, I got introduced to Gamera. But it, w- it was never through a mocking or MST3K tone. It was always through a, hey, I think you'll like this because you like Godzilla. And these are cool things that I liked when I was a kid. So it was kind of like my my parents kind of introduced me to this stuff and I just never stopped. When
0: you first discovered Gamera, was it the uh, American release with Brian
7: Dunleavy sitting at a table or was it the uh, the Japanese? Interestingly enough, it was the Japanese. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, cuz I had thought I had seen the American version, but when I watched it I was like, "Oh man, this is amazing." Like I <laughs> I clearly hadn't actually seen it until this time cuz I I went and bought the uh, Gamera the Invincible uh, DVD that they had on Amazon mm-hmm. and I watched it and I was like, "Wow, I don't recognize at all, because I had just grown up watching the uh, original Japanese version. So it's it's actually almost the reverse to how I experienced every other kaiju.
0: <laughs> yeah. Over here in the States, in North America, I think, at the very, very beginning anyway, I mean, it was Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and Varane, the unbelievable, I mean, the, the American or the North American release. But that's interesting, huh? So you've probably got a soft spot then for the Japanese, the, 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 the I don't want to say the truer, but the more... I don't know. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? The less distilled version
6: of cameras?
7: Yeah, no, I I do. But there's some really fun parts about the Americanization of this. And I like it a lot better than, say, uh, the Americanization of Varan, which uh, (laughs) is not great. I find that one
0: very fascinating. I, I, I wouldn't say it's a... I don't know. I like it, but no, I, I think you're right. There's some really interesting things happening in the America Gamera with two M's, the invisible here. Uh, this really interesting stuff. Well, like I said, Brian Don at a table, but I mean, even there's some good old fashioned American sexism at the very beginning, uh, with the, uh, <laughs> the female officer. <laughs> he, the guy's giving orders to everybody else. And you, um, we need some coffee and you better put an extra pot on. <laughs>
7: like, well, come on. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's amazing because almost every scene added to the American fight is just guys arguing with each other in just progressively yes. weirder states. My favorite of which has to be the TV station where they're showing the <laughs> what looks like the reverse of how you should be filming whatever they're doing because in the background of the shot where they're having this news roundtable, you can see old lights and you can see like a ladder and like it looks like they're filming from behind the scenes of a normal news show.
6: Yeah. <laughs>
7: <laughs> and it's it's just amazing because you're like, all right, I think I think they're done now. And you're like, oh no, they keep going. They keep going. <laughs> and the argument just keeps escalating and escalating. And you're like, is this gonna like end in a fist fight? Like this is amazing. I'm- <laughs>
0: It's fun, but yeah, it's a little kind of like um, what what's happening here? What what now?
7: <laughs> yeah, it's it's jarring. That's for sure. It's jarring, but it, it's it's fun. <laughs> I had a good time with it.
0: Going back to the original camera, uh, nineteen sixty-five. It's the only camera film in black and white, just like the Godzilla run. The first films in black and white. Uh, well, I guess
7: uh, Ray. Right. The yeah. second
0: is in black and white, right. too. So anyway, yeah, I mean, it's a black and white film. And I think a lot of people, when they think about Gamera, they either think about the amazing 90s trilogy or they think about the fun, you know, the, the protector of children. And there's all the little songs and everything else. This one does have the little kid running around, but he's not overly annoying or cloying. I mean, it's a serious movie.
7: Yeah. It's like the first Godzilla film. There's some real depth here. Yeah, no, I agree. It's definitely the – the. asides from the Heisei trilogy, it's really only this one and then the sequel that are more serious in tone. And they're kind of just brushed over. People are like, guh. But like Gamera obliterates a – uh, partying uh, like a group of partying teens at a nightclub like he's not that much friends to children
0: right <laughs> i mean he's wrecking power stations <laughs> he's just doing well the movie itself starts with what could be the beginning of world war three for crying out loud yeah with no, the sure. with the different jets flying around up uh, was an antarctic up in the north pole area that's just crazy
7: yeah, it's it's nuts. And and I, while you mentioned that, th- that scene, I may want to mention that. Apparently, the reason that Arctic set looks so good is because they actually use shaved ice. Like, all of that stuff is, oh, wow. yeah, is like actual snow and and it didn't last long. Apparently, and damaged the set. But hey, it looked good for those scenes it was in because I really like how gamma is introduced—the like cracking of the ice and like you see the hands come up—and it, it's awesome, especially
0: in black and white. You put him in black and white, and he he's scary. I mean, he's he's a colorful flying turtle that shoots jets out of his legs. I mean, it's a little silly, I suppose, on the surface. But I mean, in black and white, the way he's moving, especially the way he's introduced. The way he comes up through, like I don't know, I, I don't know if you've seen videos of like glaciers calving off, and in the way they kind of break that slow heaviness, and there's just this slow heavy sense of doom coming. Yeah. I mean, you and I know now, watching the movie. I mean, we—it's called Gamera. We know Gamera's going to show up, but even for fa- first-time viewers, I'm imagining that had to be fascinating and
7: terrifying. Yeah, there's there's so many moments in the in the in the film that I can only wish I could go back and watch it again for the first time. Like when they flip Gamera on his back and then he flies away, like. What what was that like in the theater? Like, I, it, it, was, it would have been amazing because nobody had seen anything like
0: that before. Yeah, we had Godzilla. Yeah, we had Rodan. We had all these other movies, but I don't think anybody had ever seen a well jet powered turtle. No, <laughs> I like don't that.
7: think so either. And coincidentally enough, that makes him a tri-phibian, just like Gappa. <laughs> oh, hey, there you go. Oh, <laughs> so who wins in a fight, Gamera or Gappa? Uh, Gamera all the way. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Gappa. Even if we bring the whole family, it's not going to go well.
0: (laughs) So over the years, being a fan of this film, I'm assuming you've probably learned a little bit about the production. You mentioned the shaved ice. Yeah. Was it easy to find material about this film as you were becoming a fan of the movie? I'm assuming now it's easier with Blu-ray and the internet and all that. But
7: even so, Gamera, especially this movie, is is not covered as extensively as, say, Godzilla, especially... Back in the day, it was hard to find Godzilla. But now you can find Godzilla books and Godzilla information anywhere. Gamera is its a little more tough to come by, uh, which is why it's really good if you have the uh, the Shout Factory did a DVD release of, uh, of this a few years back. And that's a really good release because it comes with an essay from Noriaka Yuasa, who is the director, who also did the special effects. So it was one guy doing both, which oh, wow. is— yeah, which is virtually unheard of in Japan, especially in this era. That's like really good. There's a really good commentary on that. And there's a few documentaries alongside that that's that's really good. But but other than that, I, it's it's not as easily attainable. Uh, you actually have to do some deep digging to find some more information about it. What
0: are some of the things that you've picked up over the years that you just find fascinating that you wish more people knew about?
7: There's a scene where – Gamera is going to the island that Plan Z has, and he's kind of like eating the fire as he goes. Yeah. Apparently, the prop blew up in the middle of that. Oh. Because it was a mechanical prop, and there was nobody in the suit, but it blew up apparently during that, and they had to completely stop shooting and get the fire department in there and stop it. But no one was hurt, luckily. But it was a dangerous thing to do. Um, (laughs) Also, what's surprising is Gamera has a good sense of personality, but there was no one person in the suit. Godzilla fans will be like, oh, Haru Nakajima was in the suit for the original Godzilla. And the reason a lot of Godzilla movies, you feel like it's the same character is because it's one person in the suit not with camera there are multiple people in the suits depending on what shot it is and apparently it was so heavy that people would draw star- straws in the production in order to figure out who should go and be camera for the day and and it's weird because it the creature works so well and doesn't feel like different people are in the suit. They apparently they they tried to get one person and at one point they hired body uh, like bodybuilders and even the bodybuilders quit. So it was left to the production studio. Oh wow.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that too, about who was the suit actor in this when I was watching it this time around, because I mean we just had G Fest a little bit ago and, and one of these years I want to get down to that. And you know, Monster Palooza has a lot of Japanese you know, Godzilla actors and such. But it got me thinking, you know, why why do we not know who was in the Gamera suit? Well, apparently it wasn't just one person. So, huh. Interesting. Yeah,
7: I, I'd be interested to see if maybe that changes in later movies. I haven't been able to figure that out. But I know for this specific movie, there is no one actor. So huh.
0: so Huh. that would be why we've never seen, like, you know, now at G-Fest, the suit actor from the first Gamera film, it would have to be like five or six or whoever <laughs> it was to get them all there. Yeah. If they're yeah, even still no. around, yeah.
7: Uh, Exactly. Uh, Even though apparently it was actually lighter than most Godzilla suits uh, because it was created by the same suit maker. And since he had worked on a few Godzilla films up to that point, he was able to make it lighter. But apparently it wasn't that much lighter because it was still pretty heavy. But uh, that gives you some insight in how poor Haru Nakajima must have been in those early Godzilla movies. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I would also imagine that the gamma one would be a little bit more difficult because you've got this big rigid shell on your back. I know Godzilla's got the spine and all that, but it still seems a little bit more flexible than this Gamera getup that you'd have to wear because, I mean, you're a turtle.
7: Yeah, no, exactly. They were saying just because they knew a person would be in the suit, they had to take away some of the more realistic – Turtle aspects, right? They couldn't be too turtly because they needed to make sure a person could walk in it.
0: Well, I was pretty pleased with how it looked, though. Just the way he moves around and does what he needs to do i I really liked the way he looks and i'd put him right up there with the the best of the classic toho kaiju in terms of kaiju design i I like him
7: yeah no i do too and and uh, even the uh all of the destruction sequences are are beautiful like they're really well done and really well put together it it was dae's first giant monster or big uh sci-fi film Ever in this scale, like they didn't know how to do a lot of these things, and they kind of had to learn as they went. And you wouldn't know that watching the film uh, because it looks really good. It looks, uh, especially. I think my favorite destruction sequence has to be when he shows up at that power plant and just decimates. Yeah. Oh, that's one of the best. I mean, I don't work at a nuclear power
0: company. I work for just a traditional energy company, electricity company. So anytime I see a really good electrical company or or, or generation facility or substation destruction scene i chair a little bit just i don't know if that says anything about how i feel about my day job but you know so (laughs) the um the sets the miniatures i mean they're very accomplished now they were originally going to do something different weren't they they were going to do like a, a giant rat movie of some sort oh yeah
7: they did plan on doing a giant rat movie and uh they were going to use giant rats and using suits uh, that cost too. Oh, sorry. They originally planned on doing claymation. That cost too. Oh, wow. Yeah, that cost too much. So they kiboshed that. Then they were going to do suits. That it just cost too much for that many suits. So then they brought in live rats, and the live rats started to multiply and were just uncontrollable. So they had to just shut down production of that, and unfortunately, they had to kill all of the rats. Uh, yeah, it's not the best story.
0: I'm sorry I brought it up then. That's, that's terrible. <laughs> but how do we get out of that? So the miniatures look good.
7: Yeah, they do. <laughs> Beautiful oh, miniatures. Man.
0: No, that's awful. Uh, but so they had the minis still sitting around. They had to the sit and they look great. I would put them right up there with some of the uh, Toho of the era.
7: Yeah, no, I, I, I was really impressed because I'm so used to seeing Tsuburaya done buildings that it looks right up there with Tsuburaya. Like, I think they did a good job. I think so, too.
0: And I guess if you have a, a miniature city ready to be destroyed and you've got to make a movie, my brain would immediately go to let's do a giant monster. So here we go. Let's do Gamma. I think it worked out great. I I love the destruction scenes in this. Even when they had to throw in some animation because they're showing Gamma flying around and zipping along. I love the air tower oh, sequence. That air
7: tower sequence is one of is amazing. Uh, I. I can't recall seeing anything like it, really, because e- there's little details even to when they cut out to show the larger miniature of the airport before the giant mm-hmm. explosion. You can spot where Gamera destroyed the tower and because there's, like, fire coming from a spot, like one of the spires. So there's details where they show it getting exploded close up, and then they even keep it in there for the wide shot, which – I mean, that's pretty impressive because a lot of giant monster movies usually don't put that much effort into continuity. So that was impressive.
0: Yeah, it's very well constructed, very well thought out. The director, I'm going to mispronounce it, so I might let you try it. Go ahead. (laughs) I think
7: it's Noriaki Yuasa. Uh,
0: I believe so. Yeah. So listeners, just as an aside, that's how you can get on Monster Kid Radio. If we talk about a movie directed by somebody with a foreign-sounding name, if you can pronounce the name better than me, you can get on. (laughs) Excellent. All right. (laughs) Was this the only giant
7: monster movie, or did he stick around to the other Gamera films? No, what's amazing is all of the show of Gamera movies, including Gamera Super Monster, are directed by Yuasa And written by Takahashi. Nissan Takahashi was the the writer. And that two-person team did all of these movies, which is amazing. Wow. Yeah. All eight. I think it's eight.
0: Yeah. Huh. And he would go on to do some television as well, including one of my absolute favorite, Ultraman. I love Ultraman 80 so much.
7: Oh, Ultraman 80 is so good. The theme song is amazing. Theme song is one of my favorite of those Toku Show theme songs. And then the actual action is so good,
0: too. It's great. I mean, I prefer the earlier episodes where we still have the, the duality of, of him being a school teacher versus as well as doing everything he's doing. But still, I, I love the entire run. The song will get stuck in your head if you're not careful with that opening music. So. <laughs> <laughs> Be warned if you go check it out. But I love it. I love Ultraman. 80s. Yeah,
7: no. And speaking of of theme songs, did you did you catch the new theme song in Gamera the Invincible? <laughs> uh, it, it was it was an interesting one, Gamera. Yeah, some pretty complicated lyrics there. <laughs> uh yeah. It was a, it's a very nuanced song. Uh, there's a lot of layers to it. <laughs> sure. They hey, they wanted something they could put out as a single, I'm sure, they could sell in the stores, and it it's catchy. It is. It is catchy. And uh surprisingly enough, it wasn't used for any other gamera movies. I was sad. The the classic gamera theme song that you think of is not is not in there. I did find it odd that
0: suddenly there's a song about Gamora to be played at the the teen dance. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While Gamora's outside and <laughs> At first, I thought it was just going to be for the opening when they're when they're showing the opening of the movie. Then they put the camera song in there. But no, apparently it was written by some high schoolers who were partying, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Speaking of of random weirdness that I noticed, did you notice that the, the young boy's father disappears from the movie after the lighthouse sequence? he's just not yeah he's just, he's just gone he's not part of it anymore which yeah. which, which gives me a fan theory that the whole camera rescuing the child was actually a dream so that didn't act oh. well because we've already seen the kid is uh privy to flights of fancy and we know his father worked in the lighthouse that was destroyed so he could be trying to repress poor old dad not making it out of uh Gamera's
0: first attack. Wow. Uh, This makes the movie even more dark. (laughs) Because there's some darkness in here, but... Wow.
7: Well, I mean, that kid is almost certifiable in this movie, uh, especially when they're trying to feed Gamera all these oil tankers, so just keep him in one spot. He gets on one of the oil tankers heading towards Gamera and be like, oh, hey, Gamera, we're best friends. Let's wave. And like, nearly gets him and another guy killed from being reckless.
0: I actually thought he did get killed the first time I saw this film, and I saw that with... I mean, we just cut to an explosion and then a long shot of a big explosion. Like, did
7: they just, they just killed that kid?
0: (laughs) No, the character survived. Nope,
7: he survived to just kind of show up and he just stows aboard. I don't know. I kind of like the character because he is crazy. Like, he's just a crazy kid who just loves Gamera and thinks his turtle turned into the giant monstrosity. (laughs) Yeah, they do do that at
0: the beginning, don't they? They never really come back to that. It's
7: yeah, no. It, other <laughs> this than little turtle, Pee
0: Wee, he was first forced to give away because if you study turtles too long, you're not going to learn how to like people.
7: Wow. Well, what? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. th- that's how it works. Uh, despite Gamera becoming a, a big people person in the next few movies. But in this one, <laughs> studying <laughs> turtles too long, it doesn't work out well for your social life. Uh, there was a the weird <laughs> – There's a weird element of I never really got why, but he took all of the rocks where he released the turtle because I guess he thought one of the rocks was one of the turtles because there's a scene where he and his sister are staying at their uncle's shop and they're crossing the road and this big bag of rocks falls down and the kid had just been collecting the rocks that was where he dropped the turtle off. And it's like, you think the turtle is one of the rocks now? What is going on with you, child?
0: Yeah, that was a little odd. You know, as weird as the kid is, he's not that level of annoyance that you get with some of the later Gamera films where the kids are constantly screaming and singing and yelling for Gamera. He's a little – he's odd.
7: Yeah, I think the kids in the Gamera movies are palatable up to probably Zegra. After Zegra, they're not great.
0: Yeah, they they just – exponentially more <laughs> and,
7: you know and, and and
0: you know at that point the audience was different yeah i mean i think if you look at the even over at toho if you look at these movies and kind of track where they ended up yeah they start targeting lower and lower demographics and that's fine i mean that happens here in north america that happens with a number of different franchises Fine. You know, it is what it is. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh,
7: I even like Godzilla's Revenge, so. Really? I don't know very many people who admit that. Yeah, no, I uh, I do. And it's now, part of that is because that's one of the ones I, I grew up with. I related to that little kid, and so I still enjoy it now. Hey, there you go.
0: It's impossible to talk about any giant monster movies from Japan without talking about Godzilla as well. And this movie came out, what, in 65? So yep. there were, what, uh, four other Five other kaiju films from Toho at the time, Invasion of the Astro Monster, I think didn't get released until after this one did, theatrically over there anyway. So we have a couple of Godzilla films as well as Rodan and a few other things here and there along the way. I think it fits in pretty well. Again, you know, we mentioned the Showa era at the very beginning. I think it fits really well into that era of, of kaiju filmmaking where things are still a little dangerous.
7: Yeah, yeah. No, no, I agree with you. All the Godzilla films up to that point, Godzilla was still a destructive force. And uh, Ghidra, three-headed monster, kind of started his redemption arc. But he wouldn't really become a full-on hero until uh, a few movies after that. Uh, monster Zero Even he is a destructive force and he still does a lot of damage to humans. So they're not really the friends to everyone yet. And uh, there's some danger to it.
0: (laughs) Which I really appreciate. I like to have that edge with my monster movies. So, I mean, I like to have fun with them too, but I like to have that edge. And I think if anybody who isn't familiar with these movies, hears the words, having that edge and Gamera (laughs) in the same sentence, they, they might not get it, but man, there's some real, terror in these films there's a shot Man, I wish I could remember the context of this but there is one shot where there's a whole bunch of destruction happening mm-hmm. and they they cut to a shot of the crowd screaming because I mean they're going to die and the camera the image of the, f- the photography actually reverses it does like this negative effect
6: oh and yeah
0: that, that I mean more so than I think I've seen or felt in the original Godzilla film I have to go back and rewatch it Darn. But (laughs) that just made me really think, okay, that may not be what really happens when an atom bomb drops, but it, it has that cliche in Hollywood, that's kind of what they do sometimes. So it has this real negative nuclear destruction kind of a feeling
7: in me when I saw that. I was like, wow, that's that's chilling. Yeah, it is very effective. And I believe that's the scene with the nightclub. Like, I believe he tears off the roof and then he goes, raw, and then, oh, crazy things happen like that. And uh, it's it's actually kind of a trait in Gamera movies is uh, I know they at least use it in uh, Gamera versus uh, Ziger in 1970, where they have like weird, very creepy, disturbing death scenes for people that despite any other tone in the movie really stick with you and kind of disturb you. And that's a trait that you'd see,
0: I mean, even in the 90s camera films, the third film in that run, oh yeah, Gamera is just tearing up the city at the very beginning of the film and, and you see the shots of the humans being killed right in front of you. it's It's menacing and who would think that a flying turtle <laughs> could be so so dangerous and and just such a destructive force.
7: Yeah, no, I love it too. It's one of those things where I love when people take a concept that maybe on its surface seems ridiculous, but to the characters in the world of the movie, this is real life. So you have to kind of put yourself in the mindset of, what if now, toss out all your preconceptions, a giant flying turtle shows up in your town it doesn't matter how ridiculous or how real it is it's killing all your friends it's destroying your house it will frighten you and you kind of get that from the movie yeah Unless you're watching
0: Brian Donlevy in the American version, who has this look on his face that he can't believe he's in this film for the entire <laughs> thing.
7: Oh, the American. I love the senator in all those scenes. There's just this with these thick rimmed glasses being like, preposterous. This is silly. Blah, 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 blah. So silly. Like, oh, my goodness. This is amazing. It's like this weird politics barrage in the middle of the monster movie. And I love it.
0: Yeah. I love Brian Donlevy. Uh, Listeners of the Hammer show that I do that's coming back know that my favorite version of Quatermass are the Brian Donlevy films. Uh, I love those two movies. I love him as that. It's science now. Get out of my way so I can do science. (laughs) You know, I love that approach. But in this... I mean, he's basically sitting around a table arguing with a guy with a real thick <laughs> Russian accent. And I guess the rest of the UN, which they can fit into one single boardroom, just arguing about what they're going to do with Gamera and who's going to take lead. Yeah. He really does have this kind of halting delivery. Uh, I I know he had his demons. I know he liked to drink. And I don't know if maybe he was dealing with some issues there. But he just seems like he can't believe he's in this movie. <laughs>
7: I mean, that that is fair. It is, seems like most of the uh, the American cut are people being like, this is ridiculous. No, it's not. This is ridiculous. No, it's real. And it's just that debate happening over and over. And I loved it because it just they keep. Going back to that point, and it's it's great. Also, what's interesting about the American Cup, which is cool, is it does add a little bit of diversity because there is an African-American sergeant in the movie, in the military base. And yeah. that, I thought that was cool because especially in these uh, early giant monster movies, they do not have the best uh, handling of uh, characters of different ethnicities, let's put it lightly. Uh, so it was nice to see just at in there like it was like it should be normal and just no fanfare to it it was just this is the character and he's kind of helping out with the military stuff so i, I kind of thought that was cool
0: he's kind of fun to watch too because when they first start talking about him being a giant turtle he gets this look on his face like say what yeah
6: yeah yeah no he's <laughs> actually
0: gives a good performance too which is even better yeah and i mentioned the woman too they have a female uh military officer i mean she well she's a sergeant so i mean she's she's ranking yeah, granted, most of the time she's talking with a couple of guys who are trying to hit on her and then she's told to go get a pot of coffee. But I mean, you got a woman in here in, in a kind of sort of role of kind of maybe authority. I don't know. It's a stretch, but it's cool to see her. Yeah, no, it
7: is cool to see her. <laughs> and uh, to, to be fair, I think the even the Japanese version does actually treat its female characters pretty well i think they are done pretty well although the one photographer keeps calling the one girl his goddess of luck which is like all right the third time's not the charm please stop saying that yeah i almost felt
0: like the japanese cut treated the female character better that yeah i mean there's a there's obviously this you're my goddess of good luck and i'm in love with you now i'm gonna be with you this at the end she's uh uh, no i don't know no but (laughs) i almost felt like she was a stronger character than somebody who's told to just go get a pot of coffee so i really
7: liked that too for sure and and it's surprising how the especially the japanese version is an ensemble film there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of different characters that are kind of coming in and out and doing their scenes and There is little character arcs for some of them, but there are a lot of moving pieces where the American cut kind of narrows it down to just a few main characters and a bunch of boardrooms. So you kind of don't get the excess random characters because there are a lot of characters, like there is a whole nother professor in the movie, which kind of looks like Colonel Sanders. and And he kind of just shows up for a bit of exposition. And doesn't really do a lot, but he contributes to the ending and he kind of has a bigger role than he does in the American cut, I think.
0: That's something else, too, about this movie that I think sets it apart from other kaiju films of its ilk. Because you're right. It's an epic story. It's huge. We've got different parts of Japan. We've got different little bubbles of stories happening all over the place. And, yeah, one does kind of come to an abrupt end when the dad disappears at the lighthouse. But the way they kind of tie everything together, too, with the kid hopping on the train and, you know, stowing away and going here and there. And they had to flee one city to get to another. It does feel epic. Once you get the American cut, obviously... You know, we're cutting to a bunch of people with accents,
7: (laughs) sometimes really bad accents, arguing. It basically becomes Rocky IV. Gamera ends the Cold War. It's great. (laughs) So the Cold War allegory, the Cold War uh,
0: commentary here, it's really obvious in the American release. And I think partly because it was released. Here in the States, you know, we had an now, American storyteller here trying to make it relevant to the American audience, but there's still
7: some of it in the Japanese cut, too. Briefly hopping back to the American cut, they actually treat the Russians like people, like they're not faceless evil. Like I was surprised, like this is made in the 66, like the Russians are not just outwardly evil and are essential for the plan to work in the American cut, which It's interesting when you compare it directly to – so the closest Godzilla film that has this tone is Return of Godzilla from 1984. Uh And in the American cut of that one, the Russians are evil, let me tell you. It's pretty much like they intentionally launch a nuke at Japan to to defeat Godzilla, but that's not how it is in the Japanese (laughs) cut. So. I was surprised that they treated the Russians similar to how they were treated in the Japanese cut, where they are just an essential point to solving the problem.
0: They even make it a point, again, I'm going to harp on Brian Donlevy, they ask him if he'll be able to work with the Soviet or the Russian general who's going to be helping out. Oh, yes, we worked together back in the war, kind of making it clear that, you know, they're people. They're people that we worked with and... Can't we all just get along and unite and fight this giant turtle together?
7: Come on, guys. You know, there's this kind of rallying that they have to work together, and I really liked that. I was impressed because, again, most movies from this time do not take that worldview. So it was kind of interesting because at the end of the day, it's all of these different countries coming together to stop a threat. And a threat that, interestingly enough, kind of affects the whole world because while you don't see Gamera Land in other countries, there are snapshots of Gamera traveling through each country uh just like in weird pictures in the background so presumably he may have hopped it down into new york and through a few buildings and then flew away again so it's kind of like it's a problem throughout the entire world
0: i want to believe there's a little kid in egypt and a little kid in paris a little kid in new york all these different (laughs) places no don't hurt camera camera go away (laughs) (laughs)
7: <laughs> now that's that's a movie i want to see that's the new gamera movie is all is kids from every single country gamera landed in uh getting together to save gamera <laughs> listeners
0: get on that write that fan fiction for us okay <laughs> Now i did like that too is that you do have the appearance or at least they're trying real hard to make it seem like it's a worldwide threat and they do lay it on pretty thick in the american cut too that oh gamma is going to take over and destroy the entire world oh we should do something about that I, I don't know if that's really what would happen but you know i'm glad they at least try to address that a little bit which i like and, and i like that international approach you know that having other countries help out it doesn't make japan feel so isolated that is nice uh what
7: did you think about their final solution to getting rid of gamera because that was kind of interesting um because they just send him to space send him to space yeah he's
0: not our problem anymore now i did like that too because you know spoiler first godzilla they kill him yeah I mean, they just flat out, he is disintegrated and gone. So any other Godzilla film after that is a different Godzilla. You know, they got a Godzilla problem because there's another one out there. In this one, they don't have to kill a They just put
7: him in a rocket ship
0: and blast him off. I guess plan Z was getting Z off the planet. <laughs>
7: Yeah, they just launch him right up. Uh, presumably, they hope he lands on Planet X and then fights King Ghidorah. I don't know. They're just like, get rid of him. It? They're just gonna throw him there. <laughs> That's your crossover movie. Um, it, it's it's a good it's a good ending because the sequel. Just have you seen the sequel? By the way. I have. Oh yeah, I like that sequel. I think it's a good one. Um, but it starts and he just bam, it just starts with the rocket malfunctions and he escapes. It's kind of like Hammer Dracula films where they you find Gamera in all of the places where he had been stopped or slain or or wherever and it just adds for a really cool pickup point. No, I did like that a lot. I thought it was clever. Again, we didn't have to
0: resort to just making some poor guy sit in a gamma suit and take it while they shoot fireworks at him. I, I appreciated that they came up with a real clever way to get rid of him without killing him in front of the kid. Yeah. And the kid's even hopeful. It's like, someday I'm going to be a scientist so I can go to Mars and visit Gamera.
7: It kind of sells their pacifist view that they're kind of trying to present of world peace by not having to destroy the thing that is threatening them. So it's actually kind of a poignant message. I really liked it. I thought it was
0: handled really well and with some real skill i think the direction and the storytelling in this it gets overshadowed when you start talking about kaiju films because everybody talks about godzilla but like you said there's not a lot of material out there about the gamma films and maybe because it did have more of a workman-like approach to its production just put whoever they can in the suit that sort of thing but it, it still holds up i i really enjoyed watching it and I mean, it's one of my favorite movies that I've gone back to rewatch this year for the show. I'll just say that
7: that's awesome. That's what I like to hear. We're taking Gamera back. He's... <laughs>
0: uh, and we don't even need that theme song
7: to do it. <laughs> exactly.
0: He's not filled with turtle meat for us. He's <laughs> he's filled with love. Uh, and there you go.
7: Nuclear energy, but
0: uh... <laughs> <laughs> a potent combination to be sure. <laughs> <true>. um, <laughs> I do like that they don't shy away from the fact that he's a turtle. I think, especially with like the the '90s films. I don't think they ever really call him a turtle. They kind of shy away from making the comparisons between him and a turtle. But he's just a turtle in this. They, they, they own it.
7: Yeah, yeah, for sure. There, There's no hiding the fact that this is clearly a flying turtle. Right. It's, it's pretty terrifying –
0: A giant turtle would be terrifying anyway. I don't care who you are. You know, that's one of the things that I talk about here on the show. As cheesy as some people might say something like, you know, giant claw or something like that is, or reptilicus, I don't care who you are. I don't care how cheesy it looks. If it's that big and coming at you, you're going to be scared. Oh, yeah, you are. Oh, yeah. It it doesn't matter. You're not going to sit there and say, oh, that looks fake. I can see
7: the zipper. No. you're. If it's that big and it's coming, you're running. Yeah. Can you imagine that jet of fire coming from Gamera's mouth and you're just sitting there watching? Like, oh my goodness. Um, that's another cool thing that I kind of like about about Gamera. People in the Kaiju fan base seem to be kind of mixed as to how they read or how they like this. But I like the fact that he just has an actual flamethrower in his mouth and you just see actual flames coming from his mouth. It seems incredibly dangerous. I do not know why you attached a (laughs) flamethrower to a rubber suit, but I'm happy you did because it looks awesome. It gives it that edge of danger
0: that I respond to so well. Yeah, I've said it before on the show. I used to think I was going to be a filmmaker when I grew up. And I used to do really stupid things as a kid to come up with different effects and things like that. I would strap firecrackers to my body thinking they were blood (laughs) squibs. And I set myself on fire for a movie. I mean, I would do dumb stuff. But I was a kid. These are grownups who said, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's put a flamethrower in a
7: rubber suit. Yeah, we don't feel like doing the rotoscoping effect. Just go (laughs) flamethrower. You know, put this flammable material there too. It needs to catch on something needs to catch on fire.
0: Yeah, yeah. I when I did set myself on fire uh, for a movie years ago, I, I was wearing a rubber mask and didn't think Whoa. about it. Um you know when the heat came up between my face and the mask I realized this this is an issue. Uh, I was a lot less calm about it than I sound right now. But <laughs> yeah, I, I no not a good idea. But I loved it. I love Godzilla's atomic breath. I, I love that a lot. Oh yeah me too. But I think for my money for a fire-breathing kaiju, for something that's got a a mouth projectile attack. This
7: camera's terrifying
0: (laughs) in story and production. I mean, it's
7: terrifying. Can you imagine working in that studio and having to get these shots and you are just like praying, please don't set the entire studio on fire today. Please don't set the entire (laughs) studio on fire. (laughs) Insurance paid up? Insurance paid up? Okay, action. (laughs) They had some other impressive pyrotechnics. Like, we talked about that airport scene, but that explosion was huge. When he just lands in the airport and you're like, whoa, this is awesome. Uh, Dangerous, but awesome. (laughs) I've never
0: seen uh, outside of like a presentation that was done here in the park a few years ago. I've never seen a Gamera film on the big screen. I would love to see this on the big screen, especially knowing now that they've got a decent transfer of it out there. They put it on Blu-ray and all that. So I would love to see it on the big screen just to see these pyrotechnic scenes, to see Gamera coming out of the ice, to see the explosion at the airport. I want to see that big on the silver screen. Have you ever seen any of these in the theater?
7: Oh, no, but it's it's a dream. <sighs> it's a dream. I want to. I want to. I just haven't got the chance. I did get to see a few Ultraman films on the big screen did you do that earlier this year when they were running them yeah i got to that earlier in this year they luckily it came to my one of my small art house theaters and that was fun that was really fun so i got to see some kaiju egg on the big screen oh i saw shin godzilla but i've never seen any classic rubber suits explosion explosions on the big screen
0: yeah i did see the ultraman films here too i, I was i was fortunate uh, in that they rescheduled when the theater shut down because here in portland oregon they don't know what to do when there's an ice storm because we don't have ice storms and it sh- shut down the city so they had to cancel the showing but they were able to bring it back the next weekend and i went to go see them both and they were okay i enjoyed seeing them on the big screen but i, I like my i'm a traditional i'm a purist i want my subtitles you know, I don't, I don't need that. But it was still fun to watch.
7: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting because what got me into it as a kid is doing the dubs, right? So I, I never want them to sure. stop doing dubs, but I prefer to nowadays watch them subtitle like you.
0: When I watch my Ultraman, I make sure the subtitles are on. But no, it was fun to watch those two. And then Shin Godzilla. We were talking about all the boardroom scenes in this film. You know, I was like, are we talking about this movie? Are we talking about Shin Godzilla? Because there's so <laughs> many boardrooms. And I love it. I know Shin Godzilla is a divisive film. I know a lot of people... Had an issue with all the talkie-talkie stuff. I loved Shin Godzilla. What was your thought on it?
7: Oh, I love, love, love Shin Godzilla. It's it, it was nothing like I've ever seen. They just threw everything that you knew about Godzilla out the win- window and just gave you something completely new. And I think that's cool. Like I love old Godzilla films, but if you want to see Godzilla done like. You like in the classic movies, those movies still exist. Watch them. I mean, they're not taking anything
0: away. I mean, they're not going to your house and taking your Blu-rays. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> so you can still watch those. What I like about Shin Godzilla, like what I like about the original Godzilla, what I like about Gamera, they're so different in terms of what had come before that you start to get some of the messages and you know, the comparisons we're talking about in Shin Godzilla what Japan's role in the world is and can they have their own army versus defense force and are they relying on the rest of the world to take care of them you have in Godzilla obviously all the uh, nuclear testing stories and in gamma you've got the cold war and you have some of these messages underneath the cool story and i really respond well to that because it's smart filmmaking i mean i would love to make a movie where there's a couple of guys and giants who's just beating the heck out of each other i would love to do that but that's easy compared to weaving in some of these real-world-type stories and and having these allegories. And I don't want to say messages because that sounds like it's way over the top and over the head, but it's there. So if you look for it, you're going to find it in Gamera, especially uh, the American version for my money. I feel like it's really there, and I love it for that. But I also love seeing the guy with the flamethrower in his mouth.
7: (laughs) It works on but for both sides of your brain. That's why Gamera is amazing. You can think about it intellectually, and then you can also think about it like, whoa, explosions.
0: <laughs> and somebody get Brian Donlevy a drink. He needs one.
7: Oh, yes, he does. God, he just
0: looks so sad. And I love Brian Donlevy so much. Oh, oh well. Oh, well. The whole sequence. I mean, you said there's an African-American uh, military officer. They have uh, – a delicate from some African country in that room as well, participating in the conversation. It's diverse more diverse than what you would see normally, I feel like. And again, it kind of brings that whole, we must unite and be one people kind of vibe while they're talking about a giant flaming turtle.
7: Yeah, And, and it's interesting because the guy who directed the American uh, portions, at least for what I've been able to find was a man named Sandy Howard. And he didn't really direct anything else after this. This is kind of the last thing he directed. And other than this, he directed a lot of TV, uh, like the Howdy Doody show. So if you want some Howdy Doody in your life.
0: (laughs) Oh, there's a crossover.
7: Yeah, I'd see that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know much about the filmmakers on this. I mean, like you before getting into Gamera and like a lot of people, my – Kaiju knowledge kind of begins and almost ends with Godzilla just because there's so much of it out there. Thankfully we have people like August Ragone. Is it Ragone or Ragone?
7: I think it's I think it's Ragone, but okay from what I from what I know, but I'm not sure.
0: Fortunately, we have people like August out there beating the drum for everything kaiju related. Kyle Yam from the Kaiju cast loves gamma, so he loves to talk about that as well. So fortunately, there's stuff out there now. I want to see more. I want there to be a documentary. I want to see another gamma movie.
7: Yeah, oh, they, see a
0: new Gamera film.
7: They teased it years ago. There was like that uh, CG trailer from 2015, the from New York Comic Con, but apparently it was just like a proof of concept, and they never really moved forward, which just makes me sad because I like every single Gamera movie, even Super Monster. I was gonna <laughs> say even Super Monster, which is what good seventy percent stock footage, <laughs> which is amazing.
0: It's amazing. Hey, you do what you gotta do, man. You do what you gotta do to make the movie. No, that Gamera clip, it's on YouTube now, I think and it's pretty good yeah I mean, it's again we're talking about destruction from a giant turtle it's really good yeah there was that and then the ultraman clip that, that ended up on youtube as well like there might have been an ultraman movie coming that never went anywhere it's it's too bad but at least they're out there for people to see
7: yeah no exactly i, I would love the, i would love to see i would love to see both
0: of those too oh well someday maybe maybe listeners start a Kickstarter or something to make a ga- camera film. Get, get Dae back on and the and make map, sure Howdy
7: duty's in it. Do something. Make sure we need that crossover. Yes. <laughs> oh, and all the little kids from all the different countries. So all this, Howdy duty, all the little kids from all the countries. Camera, bam! <laughs> Kickstarter will go skyrocket immediately. There's no stop uh, until Dae shuts it down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is Dae even still around? I don't think so. I'm not. 100 percent sure i think they might have been one of the studios that didn't make it okay uh no apparently it's still going never mind okay yeah i think it's still going apparently oh but this is a supermarket chain i don't know i don't know maybe they're not
0: yeah that's what i'm seeing here too interesting
7: oh oh they were
0: picked up by katakawa okay
7: oh okay so it's yeah okay that makes sense so there's something out there maybe
0: sort of somebody's got the rights
7: somebody make it yeah yeah they did do that daimajin show in like 2008 yeah so like at least there's yeah and and that was supposed to be connected to the movie so hopefully there's still similar love for gamera out there so somebody please (laughs) there's definitely love for gamera here I know there was a Gamera Fam film did uh, done in
0: Japan, like a Gamera Four. Oh yeah. Following up on the trilogy, I've never had a chance to see it. Yeah, I haven't. I'd love to get my hands on it. Though.
7: it, it it's it usually like uh, I'm pretty sure like G Fest, uh, they usually have the guy who makes all of those come in and show them once in a while. So those are really cool. It's it's like when you see any clips from Godzilla versus the Wolfman, and you go, "Oh man, that's so cool!" Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark Hiramelo? Hi- Hi- did I say that right? I think. Oh, uh, yeah. He's kind of the guy that that shepherds a lot of that stuff and keeps a lot of stuff here. And I know there was a whole lot of drama behind the scenes behind the documentary that was going to happen about the godzilla and the kaiju fan films yeah. Kaiju, kaiju. Uh, i think mark is picking that back up though that the person who was supposed to be doing it with mark kind of flaked i, I don't know all the details yeah outside I'm of sure, the drama, but i the not
7: but i really hope that sees the light of day uh if you want to hear more of him he actually does a podcast kaiju kingdom podcast and he's pretty interesting to listen to on there yeah and he's a smart so. guy he knows his stuff Yeah, no, for sure. Every time you listen to them, you just learn new things.
0: You know, I mentioned the Kaiju cast a couple times. There are a couple other Kaiju specific shows like Kaiju Kingdom. Uh, I can't think of any of those top of my head, but there's plenty of Kaiju podcasts out there that I'm sure talk about Gamera as well. So there should be something out there. Just I wish there was more. I want more in depth. I want books. I want documentaries. I want that other Gamera film. I want another Gamera film so bad. But, (laughs) you know, plenty to watch in the meantime. Plenty to keep me occupied. And they are are the same people, pretty much, so they've got a good through line, a nice evolution of storytelling and, and connections, and I mean, just fun
7: stuff. Agreed. You're preaching to the choir. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have a feeling we're probably doing that with the listeners here, too. I'm, I'm, I'd am i like to believe that the listeners are just nodding along. Yes, Gamera. Yes. <laughs> One can hope, anyway. And if you haven't seen Gamera, and we haven't spoiled it for you, and really, I don't think we did. If you haven't seen Gamera, listeners, check it out. Track it down. It's on... Blu-ray, it's a worthy addition to your kaiju collection, your monster collection. If you're a fan of MST3K and only saw Gamera that way, check out the original stuff because it's really good.
7: It is. It is. And uh, just give you a little – so Shout Factory released the DVD, and then there's also a Blu-ray set by Mill Creek. Okay. Get the Shout Factory DVD if you can for all the special features, but the Mill Creek Blu-ray is also pretty good.
0: It looks really good. You know, Mill Creek for a long time was just known for – let's put together the 50-pack of – public domain films again but over the years they've started bringing in more content licensing actual non-public domain content and you know affordability it's kind of hard to go wrong you can get your hands on this stuff pretty cheap and it looks pretty good yeah agreed agreed any version you get it's well worth watching Gamera that's true that's a good place to end on that conversation get more Gamera in your life so We said that you write for Bloody Good Horror. That's at bloodygoodhorror.com. How long have you been with them?
7: I've been with them for, I think it's getting close to two years. Okay. Yeah, close to two years. I I do most of their list stuff. So fans of this uh, show might like to uh, read my, I did a list on uh, appearances of the Wolfman in comics, uh, old comic books. And I I went specifically for mentions of the Wolfman. So not werewolves, because there's been so many, but things that were trying to go off of the Larry Talbot legacy maybe not including Larry Talbot himself but kind of the wolf man in that specific kind of way so
0: it was interesting I'm really good friends with Casey Criswell he was on the show once and he used to be involved in the hammer show I did so people probably know what bloody good horror is it's a podcast it's a website been around for a while Uh, one of the mainstays of horror podcasting genre podcasting they do a bang-up job slightly different style of podcasting than what I do here but they all know their stuff and the gang, Casey, and all them—good guys. I've met most of them in person, they're wonderful people. And I'm thrilled to have met you now. I mean, it's through Skype, but still, I've met you now—somebody <laughs> who writes for Bloody Good Horror and a fellow Gamera fan. Oh yeah, Gamera for life. <laughs> you gonna get that tattooed somewhere? Your Gamma for Gamma, the number four, and then life. Is that? <laughs> Yo,
7: I'm just gonna get the the spinning turtle shell. That'll be a good tattoo. Oh, there you
0: go. There you go. Well, if you do that, call back and let me know how it went. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well do. I'll have to live vicariously through your tattooing of that. Because that seems like a long project. <laughs> oh, yeah. It probably would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew, we'll definitely have to have you back on the show down the line. I mean, there's more gamma films to talk about. Oh, yeah, there is. And I love them all. You can follow along with Andrew over at bloodygoodhorror.com. He writes for them over there. He's a contributor and, you know, Bloody Good Horror. I, I haven't talked about Bloody Good Horror very often here on the show. I think the last time I've mentioned it was when Casey Criswell was on the show way back in the day. Anyway, Bloody Good Horror has been around for a while. They're one of the mainstays of horror podcasting. Check out their website. Check out their podcast if you're into, well, pretty much all things horror. I mean, they're pretty up-to-date, pretty contemporary with what they cover, so it's a little outside of the wheelhouse of what we do here, but it's still quality work. The gang over there, I've met a handful of them in person at previous conventions over the years. They're amazing. So go check them out. And check out what Andrew's up to. Andrew, thank you so much for being part of the show. This was a lot of fun. You know, we really should talk about some other movies here on the show. I'd love to have you back, so... Uh, I'll be in touch, man. Thanks again.
5: Today, modern man is preoccupied by the mysteries of outer space. Scientists are probing farther and farther away from Earth. And yet, here on this very world we live in are hidden mysteries. Mysteries better left alone. For if they are disturbed, they could destroy the world. And now, an expedition goes to a strange South Sea island. To a forbidden jungle.
2: To a forbidden village.
4: Taboos
2: that anger the gods.
6: Stoppa! Stoppa, angry! Stoppa! Stoppa, angry! Angry! The Revenge of the
5: Monsters! whim of a magazine publisher. In this park I will have strange tropical animals. (laughs) Results in horrible destruction. Monsters can actually think. And in addition, they can communicate with others of their own species. Worldwide terror.
8: often has this happened to you? You're on your way home after a long day, when suddenly tragedy strikes.
3: No human mind could imagine the enormous destructive power of this maddened, killing thing. Professor, there's a big lizard back there and he's heading this way, now get aboard!
6: It's the kind of thing
7: which can ruin your weekend. To prevent catastrophe, you need the Handbook for Surviving a Giant Monster Attack. This book features extensively researched methods to help you survive a giant monster event. You'll discover which vehicle you should use for making your escape, which method of counterattack is best for specific
2: types of monsters,
3: Hydrogen weapons, capable of wiping cities, countries off the face of the earth, are completely ineffective against this creature from the skies.
9: And what common mistakes people make while fighting back. So pick up
7: your copy of the Handbook for Surviving a Giant Monster Attack by Anthony Wendell today on Amazon. You can thank us by surviving.
3: It's a piece of skin, like leather.
5: From all corners of the earth they gather to study the mystifying frozen fossil, a reptilian tail that grows into a giant of terror.
6: It's alive!
2: It's loose! You have been invited here to see for
3: yourselves one of the most amazing events in the annals
4: of scientific history.
5: Reptilicus, a monstrous, massive beast whose astounding appearance causes panic. Reptilicus approaching the city. Repeat, Reptilicus approaching the city. This is Grayson. All units, fire will. Reptilicus, an annihilating Mastodon, immune to all known weapons of warfare, creating chaos such as mankind has never before known.
0: Of October, I was fortunate enough to be asked to host Scarathon 2017 at the Joy Cinema, and it was a blast. Now, this time around, I only did the first three films, uh, the final two films in the run Creepshow and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, I've seen those movies before, really like Creepshow, but they just really weren't Monster Kid radio ish enough. Plus, Chris McMillan and I were off to the Northwest Film Center to see Cat People that evening as well. So, yeah, I didn't stick around for that. But I did host the first three films, and I recorded those intros. I'm going to play those. So I'll probably play a little bit of a trailer or something between each introduction. And then we're going to come back with a voicemail from Jeff Pullier, where he tells us what he was up to during Halloween weekend, some of the movies he saw, and the commentary he has about Scarathon.
9: I've never seen so many nerds gathered in one place yeah, yeah. in my entire life. Thank you for coming out, nerds. I'm one of you. All at once, I want you to say, I'm a nerd. On the count of three. One, two, three. I, I didn't say it. <laughs> I am Jeff Pinkrock Martin. It's a pleasure to welcome you to the weird, to, no, it's not weird Wednesday, to the Joy Cinema at Thank you so much for coming out. Give yourselves a round of applause. I'm not going to take up too much of your time because I know you guys want to see the movie, but I do want to thank you for coming out. Guys, guys, I know that most days you'd be at at a comic book store or something right now. I want to thank you for tearing yourselves away from that. And the others of you, I know that the members of your Dungeons and Dragons squad will let you come back next week. Guys, if you're hanging out with the guys at the comic book store, what I want you to do is one thing, get rid of that, that fantasy about the one woman you'd marry. I know a lot of you haven't been on dates. Here's the thing, you're not going to marry Harley Quinn. <laughs> ladies, ladies, look at the guys around you. No, take a look, really. That that, that young man with the, with the thick glasses and the questionable grooming skills. And the, the guy who smells like tater tots, he's your Batman. <laughs> I'm gonna close my baloney hole. We got five big movies to go through today. We got House of Wax starring Vincent Price in 3D. Let's hear it for Vincent Price. <laughs> then we have King Kong Escapes starring, I don't know, starring Linda Miller, King Kong Escapes. Then House of Frankenstein starring Boris Karloff and Lon Chaney <laughs> Jr. Let's hear it for that one. Then, Creep show written by Stephen King, directed by the great, the great George Romero. Let's hear it for George Romero. And then, last show of the night, directed by the great, late, wonderful Toby Hooper, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Let's hear it for that one. Also, big thanks to Laughing Vixen Lounge and Chris. She makes the pins that are on sale here. They're really cool. You should buy them and look at her shop on online. At Laughing Vixen Lounge. And now, now, it is a gigantic pleasure to welcome this young man because he knows more about monster movies than you and I were, will ever ever remember. Well, he's forgotten more than you and I will forget. Anyway, however you say that, than you and I know. He's the king, he's the best, he's the champion of, of, of monster movies. He is the host and the founder of Monster Kid Radio. He is geek brother number one. Please give a gigantic round of applause for Mr. Derek M. Cook. I don't think we've uh, thanked Jeff
0: enough for what he does here. Can we get around for him? All right, so like he said, I do produce the Monster Kid Radio podcast. I've been producing since 2013, uh, that show. I've been podcasting since 2008. I talk about the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear, and I have a blast doing it with my friends and these monster movies. And I really want to thank Jeff for allowing me to be part of Scarathon again this year. What is this, the third year? Yes, sir. The third year, I mean, come on, that's, that's... Are you Are we applauded out yet? Because he deserves so much recognition for what he's doing here. All right, so like he said, we've got five movies. We're going to kick it off with the Vincent Price film, uh, House of Wax. Uh, who's here for the long haul? Everybody here for the long haul or just a couple of movies here and there? Alright, so like he said, House of Wax, King Kong Escapes, House of Frankenstein, Creepshow, Texas Chainsaw. I'm going to be here for the first three movies doing some intro, some trivia, some games, and I'm going to do a game right now. Now I need four volunteers, but don't just throw your hands up yet because Jeff's going to pick you. I need four people who think they really know Vincent Price, monster movies. Jeff, you pick the people for me. It's on his shoulders, not mine if you don't get picked. Come on, four people who know Vincent Price films.
6: You don't know Vincent Price from Blisterview? I think it's Christian. Christian, okay,
0: thanks for coming down. Uh, let's see. We got, we got somebody, okay. So a Dominique in the back was raising her hand. Come on, you got stage fright? Come on now. It's a bright light intimidating you, it's easy. Hey, okay, what's up, man? Good. You hear me again? Randy. Randy, okay. So we got Christian, we got Randy, we got Dominique. And we have one more. Are you joining us? Yeah. Okay, what's your name? Natalie. Natalie. Give it up for all these four uh, fine people here, our volunteers. So I want to do a little bit of a game with Vincent Price. He's done a ton of movies over the years. And what we're going to do is something that I'm going to call, well, I've been trying to come up with a clever name for it. But Price is Right is sticking in my head. I know it's trademarked and copyright, but whatever. So Vincent Price is Right. Here's the thing: we're gonna go down the list. I'm gonna start with Dominique over here. And we're just gonna pass the mic like, back and forth, back and forth, naming Vincent Price movies, movies that he was in, not TV. Let's just do theatrical films. That Vincent Price was in. If you repeat an answer, step aside. You're no longer in the in the game. Okay. But don't go back to your seat because there might still be a prize. Just saying. Uh, I'm gonna ask you guys and gals help keep me honest in case I miss one that they. Uh, they repeat or something like that. Go ahead and you know shout shout them down and you know poke them off the No, don't. Them anyway, we're gonna start with Dominique. I'm gonna give the mic to her and I'm gonna step out of the way Dominique, why don't you kick things off? Give us a Vincent Price film Scream and scream again Okay. The fly Okay.
4: So I was forced to come up here.
0: Can I ask the audience for help? Well, what, what movie are we about to see? Oh
4: House of Wax 3D <laughs> uh, I was forced to Oh, is, is there a House of Wax regular, not 3D? <laughs> uh, no.
0: <laughs> no. Yeah, we'll take you this time, sure. House of Wax regular. <laughs> <It's> okay. Put <laughs> <laughs> so back down, Dominique. The Abominable Dr. Fives. Ooh. Okay. Uh,
4: Dr. Fives returns.
7: Is that
0: the name of the film? Oh,
7: it's the. Is it the return
0: Rice oh. again? So we're gonna have you step back. Oh, I see. Oh. Okay.
7: The the one he just said but rises again. Ah,
6: okay. like, hold on, hold on. Um,
7: the one that they said but is back.
0: No, I'm going to I'm pretty much Man Okay.
8: Manhouse house two electric boogaloo.
0: Not quite. As much as I'd love to see that, sorry, Mr. Price. So, Okay, I want to thank everybody for playing along. I'm just going to you a that's right. Okay, so courtesy of Laughing Dixon Lounge, I've got some pins, and we're going to go with. Let's see, you want the first one? Uh,
4: yeah.
0: I'll give you that, and I'll give this one to the last person. Okay, so. okay. We've got a CD. Now, I do uh, on my podcast. I open my show with surf music every time, and these surf bands give me free music. I've got an album called Zomboid Surf Attack from the band The Terror Surfs. That's for you. you. And then finally, from independent filmmaker Christopher R. Mim, the movie It Came From Another World on DVD. (laughs) Also, one more thing I've got one more prize. This is the official 2017 Scarathon Wax. If you don't like these in here, it's probably a good fire (laughs) right, I want to thank everybody for playing. So we're talking about House of Wax. It's a big Vincent Price film. came out in 1953, directed by a man by the name of Andre, and I always get his last name wrong, De Toth, De Toth. Whatever his name is, he only had one eye, which is interesting because this is a 3D film, which means He couldn't see the 3D effect. Despite this, this became a huge hit and is probably responsible for making 3D films a big thing in the 50s. It wasn't the first 3D film, but it was definitely the first big 3D film from an American film company. This movie's got more than just Vincent Price, though. It's got a few other people that you might recognize, even if you don't recognize their name. There's a character named Igor in this film. He's played by Charles Bukowski, also known as Charles Bronson. He appears in this movie. Uh, also, if you like 1960s television, you might recognize a character in here. She's played by, uh, I always get her name wrong, so I've got notes. Carolyn Jones. She is Morticia from the Adams family, so you can see her in this as well. Uh, this movie is really, really good. How many, how many people have seen the film? Do we have people who have not seen the movie before? I'm not going to spoil too much of it. I don't want to ruin a lot of the surprises in here. But there's a fire scene at the very, very beginning of the movie, which is probably my favorite 3D sequence in the whole thing. Because you got fire in the front, fire in the back. The fire actually got out of control when they were shooting the movie. Uh, But because it's in a house of wax, the mannequins started melting. So the director and the film crew had no choice but to continue filming. Vincent Price actually singed his eyebrows during that scene. But uh, it's a heck of a scene. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy the entire film. I hope you enjoy Scarathon. No matter how many movies you're going to be here for, have a great time. Make sure you get to the concession stand to load up on popcorn, pizza, soda, beer, whatever he's got. Might even still be a few donuts left. Go knock yourselves out. But stick around and watch House of Wax first. Thanks again, Jeff. Really appreciate it. And I'll talk to you guys after the movie.
3: The House of Wax. The ultimate dimension in terror comes to the screen in StereoVision 3D. Vincent Price at his diabolical best will take you room by terrible room on a journey to the ultimate chamber of horrors. StereoVision 3D will synthesize before your eyes the terrifying reality of it all. In StereoVision 3D, House of Wax is more than a movie. It's an experience you'll never forget.
0: So uh, who is just now joining us at the start of, uh, of Scarathon? Got some newcomers? Okay. All right, right on. Uh, what are we showing? We're showing King Kong Escapes, which will be a lot of fun. Let's hear it for King Kong Escapes. I'm well prepared. All right, so my name is Derek M. Cook. I'm the producer and host of Monster Kid Radio, which is a podcast based here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, Beaverton, technically, but whatever. Anyway, I've been podcasting the show since 2013. It's a weekly show. I talk about classic monster movies every week with my friends. and It's just a blast. I also get, every once in a while, to come out to the joy with my man, Jeff Martin. Let's give it up to Jeff here. (laughs) Jeff, come up up here, Jeff. So I wanted to do something special with Jeff. This is something that I do on my show. We have a game that we play called The Classic Five. I've got a deck of cards I'm going to dig out here. Jeff doesn't know I'm doing this. So, I think we may have played this once before. Anyway, I've got a deck of cards. Each card has a this or that, yes or no style. Question about classic monster movies. Jeff does so much for us here at The Joy. I thought this would be fun to play with Jeff and let you guys and gals know a little bit more about Jeff through his taste in monster movies. What do you think? Yeah. All right. I'm gonna give you the mic, Jeff. Hold this, please.
9: Thank you, Derek. Let's hear a, a hearty and great joy cinema round applause for Derek M. Cook, Monster Radio. Yes the best. Best monster fan around. Ah, shucks. (laughs) I don't have my glasses and there's a bright light glaring in my face, so we'll see. So I've
0: got a deck of cards here, and they're all random, they're all shuffled, all about classic monster movies. And I'm going to do five of these with Jeff. Jeff, are you ready to play the classic five? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Alright, card number one. You ready, sir? Uh, What do you prefer, Godzilla or Gamera?
9: Godzilla all the way, because I know more Godzilla. Oh, but there was more Godzilla. Okay.
0: All right, that's the right answer, okay. Card number two. What is your favorite Boris Karloff role?
9: Ah. Oh, I know, I know. It's uh, 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 the guy in, he's pre- uh, pretending to be Professor Lampini in House of Frankenstein later on today. That's it.
0: Okay, all right. That's a that's tease it. to make oh, you stick around for House of Frankenstein. Oh, <laughs> all right, card number three. Oh, OK. Other than Mechagodzilla and Mechanicong, who we're about to see, what other giant monsters should have had a robotic version made of it?
9: I've given this a lot of thought, Derek. Oh, yeah? I would say, what other giant monsters? Uh, George the Animal Steel.
6: <laughs>
0: you know, I, I kind of want to see that, actually. That'd be kind of cool. All
9: right, there we go. That
0: deserves applause, right? Yes. All right. More than halfway. Card number
9: four. Jeff, what is your favorite mummy film? Um, ma- ah, the m- cur- Mummy's Curse from the last, the second last one, or the last one. Mummy's Curse.
0: The that, second one, right?
9: All right, final card. Let's
0: see what you got on top here. Card number five. Jeff, what city would you like to see a giant monster destroy right now?
9: Not Tigered, <laughs> that's for sure. What city? I don't know. I don't have any cities I dislike that much. So, I don't know. The lost is Atlantis, a city or a continent. I don't know. I don't know this crap. Let's let's just say, I don't know, some city with a population of just a few people so no one gets hurt. Rogue River. <laughs> Hopefully there's nobody from
0: Rogue River in the audience or anybody from Rogue River listening to the recording I'm doing for my podcast right now. Jeff, thank you for playing the classic five, you survived. Can you turn off the light when you're done, Derek? (laughs) So I'm gonna introduce the film here for you, tell you a little bit about the movie we're about to watch here. It is King Kong Escapes. How many people have seen King Kong Escapes? Not very many. Wow, okay. Uh, Do we have giant monster movie fans in the audience, though? Woo! Alright, so King Kong Escapes was released in 1967 in Japan uh, when it was called Counter-Attack of King Kong. It was released in 68 here in the U.S. It's directed by the master of the kaiju film for Toho Studios, that's Akshira Honda. And of course, Ija Tsuburaya did the monster suit design. This is not the first time King Kong would appear in a Godzilla film. Of course, in 1962, Godzilla and King Kong uh, fought each other. And it's a great film. It's really good. I like this one better. However, this was not what they originally wanted to do. Toho wanted to make another King Kong movie, and they got together with and Rass, who are the people behind uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you know, that style of animation. And they put together a script, and they called it Operation Robinson Crusoe. Uh, Rankin-Bass passed on that. Toho didn't want to waste the script, so they made a few changes and it became a Godzilla movie uh, called Iberra, the uh, Horror of the Deep, or Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. If you've seen that movie, you can easily swap out Godzilla for King Kong. Pretty easy to do. So instead they came back with this script, King Kong Escapes, and they used the Rankin-Bass cartoon King Kong as their base, as their inspiration. This is not really a sequel to the 62 King Kong Godzilla film. It's its own thing. However, <laughs> the human cast, the good guys from the cartoon, they're not in this. Uh, instead, we ended up with people like uh, Carl Nelson, Commander Nelson, played by Rhodes Reason. And then we got Linda Miller in here as well, who was a model in, the, uh, in Japan in the area at the time, and she was cast as well. And we have some other great character actors in this. And the villain whose name is doctor who uh he is i believe from the cartoon now he's not related to uh well the doctor but uh, it is kind of cool to have a doctor who in this film what i really really like about this these movies got released worldwide and in germany it got a release in 1970. germany really liked the word frankenstein Uh, frankenstein conference the world did really well over there So they started slapping the word Frankenstein into a lot of their movie titles, even if they had nothing to do with Frankenstein. And in 1970, this movie got released as King Kong, Frankenstein's son uh, in Germany. And instead of Doctor Who, he was Dr. Frankenstein. That's right. This is actually one of my absolute favorite uh, giant monster movies, Toho films, Kaiju movies, King Kong movies, whatever. Uh, I hope you guys and gals dig it too. Now I've got some trivia. We've got some pins that were designed by Laughing Vixen Lounge. Uh, If you haven't seen these pins, they are available at the concession stand. You can buy them yourself if you don't win the trivia that I'm about to do right here. So uh, why don't we go ahead and start with Rhodes Reason. Now, he is the American lead in this. He's going to look familiar to you for two reasons. One, he used to live here. He used to live in the Portland, Oregon area. When he got out of the business, he retired out here, and he would host uh, Oscar movie nights. like charitable events and things like that now he no longer is with us he actually passed away in california a few years back Uh, but he used to be a portlander which i think is kind of cool but the other thing is he's got a brother who appeared in some universal monster movies as well what's his brother's name they're in the back raise his hands first rex reason sir you win a pin All right, I have another pin. I feel like doing another question. Let's talk a little bit about Rex Reason. He did appear in a couple of universal science fiction classics. Name one of them. All the way in the back, first hand up. This Island Earth. This Island Earth is one of those movies. That's correct. You win a pin. On Monster Kid Radio, I open up every show with some instrumental surf music. And because of that, I end up getting a lot of free music. And I've got a CD from the band, what are they called? The Surf and Nanobots?
6: <laughs>
0: the Surf and Nanorobots, there we go. The CD is called Seven O'Clock. I want to give this to somebody who can tell me the other Rex Reason classic Universal monster movie. Yes, sir? Creature Walks Among Us. That is correct. He was in the third Creature from the Black Lagoon film. <laughs> You're get the CD. Final prize, I have a DVD from independent filmmaker, Christopher R. Mim. The movie is called Destination Outer Space. It's a great film. I was mentioning Doctor Who earlier. Do you know who voiced him in this film? Yes, sir. Paul Frees is the man who voiced the Doctor Who. Uh, Paul Frees is known as the man with a thousand voices. Uh, and if you listen real close, he might start to sound familiar to you. He appeared in several Disney cartoons, Jay Ward Productions, did a lot of Rankin and Bass. He appeared on screen a couple of times too, uh, but he was mostly known for his voiceover work. I actually just listened to an old time radio presentation of Frankenstein uh, the other day. It was produced by Suspense and he played the monster in that. Really good stuff. Paul Frees is a master. So I'll bring the DVD down to you. I'll give you guys your pins. And, and who won the, the CD? That was you, sir, right? I'll bring that by to you as well. I am thrilled to see this on the big screen, and I'm thrilled to see so many people here who haven't seen the movie yet. I hope you walk out of it with as many happy feelings about this movie that I have myself right now. And uh, I'll be around recording for my podcast, so if you want to chat afterwards, play the Classic Five, or just talk about monster movies, track me down. Uh, I am Derek M. Cook from Monster Kid Radio. Why don't we start the show? Yeah!
5: The fantastic duel of the century, the most ferocious battle in history, the flesh and blood King Kong fights his most incredible enemy, a 60-foot robot King Kong forged of super steel. King Kong Escapes! All new, all thrilling in technicolor, King Kong battles missiles, monsters, and a King Kong of steel. King Kong Escapes! A Toho Company limited picture, a universal release. I don't
0: know if I have a microphone for this. I'm just gonna project. Can everybody hear me okay? Yeah. Awesome! Yeah. Well, for those of you who are just now joining us, my name is Derek M. Cook, I'm the producer of Monster Kid Radio, which is a weekly podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I have a blast talking about, oh, (laughs) I have three listeners in the audience, okay. Uh, Seriously though, thank you so much. I have a blast talking about classic monster movies with my friends. And getting involved in any classic monster movie event like the 2017 Scarathon, where we've already watched House of Wax and King Kong Escapes, and now we're about to watch a very, very cool movie House of Frankenstein. Oh. <laughs> I was just talking to Jeff, the man who runs The Joy, who's awesome, by the way. Give him a shout out when you see him. Uh, I was just talking to Jeff earlier about this being Universal's first, sh- or Universal's shared cinematic universe did it before marvel did it uh they, they linked dracula and the wolfman and Frankenstein's science monster hey here's that jeff guys just talking about yeah. hey you got power oh. yeah. <laughs> and of course now the mic works i'm gonna save my voice from my podcast and use the microphone anyway so you know this is a shared cinematic universe and this movie comes along after they've already established that Frankenstein's monster and the Wolfman share the same world, the same timeline, even. And they're going to be joined by Dracula. Now, this is not the Dracula you may know from the original Dracula Universal film. It's actually John Carradine this time around. John Carradine was brought in. Now, there's a couple of different stories as to why this was done. One was, and this may be the official, quote-unquote, studio story, Bela Lugosi had a commitment to doing some acting on stage playing a role in the uh, stage production of Arsenic and Old Lace, ironically, playing the role that was originally written for Boris Karloff, a character by the name of Jonathan Brewster. Well, Karloff is in this film. Uh, He did not have a stage commitment at the time. So anyway, Universal brought in Carradine and would use Carradine a couple of times as Dracula. Legosi would come back later uh, in Abbott and Costello Beat Frankenstein, which is... much the end of the shared universe when it comes to these classic monster movies. Now this movie was directed by a man by the name of Earl C. Kenton. He also directed Ghost of Frankenstein and House of Dracula. Now Legosi was in Ghost of Frankenstein and Kenton got to direct him but he also had an opportunity to direct Legosi in another film. Now I've got this light right in my eye but I'm gonna do a trivia question here for a prize, a button from Laughing Vixen Lounge. What 1930s monster movie did Earl C. Kenton direct Legosi in? Island of Lost Souls. Who said that? Hands up. There you go. You're going to get a button, sir, from Laughing Vixen. I'm not just right. Kenton directed Island of Lost Souls, which is a creepy, bizarre, subversive film. But if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. Legosi plays the sayer of the law and wears a whole bunch of makeup. It's kind of hard to miss him until you hear him speak. Uh, So Carradine would get pretty much uh, associated with vampires after this. He would play Dracula, like I said, in House of Dracula. But he would also go on to play vampires in some other movies, and for another button from the La- Laughing Vixen Lounge, somebody tell me another movie he played Dracula in, Back in the Bandana. A- yes, he did play Dracula in Billy the Kid versus Dracula, which is a uh, one of those not-so-classics I sometimes talk about on my podcast. Uh, it was shot in like eight days, and carroting <laughs> Must have been hungry because he chews and eats up every bit of scenery in that film. Uh, A much more uh, broad interpretation of the character than what you're going to see in this. Uh, Like I said, Karloff's in this film. Now, he does not play Frankenstein's monster. He actually ends up playing a mad scientist, which is kind of cool to have him come in and and play a mad scientist type. Although, this is not the last time Karloff would be involved in a Frankenstein film or, or a Frankenstein character. For a copy of a CD... This is from the surf band, the Black Ball Bandits. They've appeared on Monster Kid Radio. I like to use surf music on my show, and they sent me this CD. Who can tell me another movie, not that we've already talked about, okay, not the universals, that Karloff was involved with as a Frankenstein? Uh, I I think you're the only one with your hand up. Am I missing it? Okay, sir?
8: It's Frankenstein 92.
0: That is correct, Frankenstein 1970, which actually came out in 1958. Uh, He does play a character by the name of Baron Victor Von Frankenstein. It's kind of a cool little movie, but that's not the only one. Now I have a movie from independent filmmaker Christopher R. Mim. He has a DVD, or I have a DVD here from him. His movie, The Monster, of Phantom Lake. And if you can tell me another Frankenstein role that Karloff was involved with... Theatrically, you get the DVD. Anybody? Oh, in the back. Was he in Monster Party? He was, in fact, the voice of Baron Boris von Frankenstein in 1967's Mad Monster Party. Woo! There you go. It's so much fun. What's that? It's so much fun. Oh, it's a great film. I'm going to be pretty much wrapping up here. I want to thank Jeff Martin for letting me and Monster Kid Radio be part of Scarathon 2017. I've had a blast. Uh, I'll be around after the movie for a little while, but then I'm, I'm checking out. So, uh, if you want to talk podcasting, classic monster movies, record with me for an upcoming episode of Monster Kid Radio. Drag me down in the lobby. I'd be happy to chat with you and start talking monsters. Just know that I might not let you go right away because I have a lot to say about them. Again, thanks to Jeff, thanks to Joy, the Joy, and thanks to all of you for making Scarathon 2017 special. The movies are great, but the audience is better. So, thank you so much, guys. Yeah. And you can find me at monsterkidradio.net, where you can find my podcast and well, everything else we got going on over there. So thanks again. Enjoy the movie.
3: going to give that brain of yours a new home, in the skull of the Frankenstein monster. The uh, jugular vein is severed, not cut. The thorn apart as though by powerful teeth. A werewolf. Last night, I killed a man. I didn't know what you were doing. But I did. I wanted to kill.
6: I think they're after Dracula.
8: Hey, Derek, this is Jeff. Thought I'd call in and talk a little bit about some of the movies that I've seen in the past few days. It started off Friday evening at the 99W Drive-In in Newburgh, Oregon, where I saw the original Halloween, uh, which was really good. I've, I've seen that one before, but I've only ever seen it on TV. They got on the big screen was pretty good. And while it really set a lot of precedence for, you know, the, the teenage girl being chased, Uh, That was followed by An American Werewolf in London, which I'd never seen before. I'd only ever seen the clips of the transformation uh, because it's so revolutionary. You know, it really, uh, more so than anything before it, I think, uh, brought up the idea that the the physical transformation from man to wolf was incredibly painful. Um, And wow, when that movie ends, it just ends. And then you saw me the next day because I was there for all five movies at the Scarathon, starting with uh, House of Wax in 3D. And in my opinion, that was the best of the five movies. Uh, I mean, this was a 10. Uh, if anything detracted from it, it was the guy with the paddle ball, uh, which, you know, I know they put in there just to show off the 3D effects. <laughs> um, and even he was still a lot of fun. It's just like, hey, look what we can do. But, oh my gosh, what an incredible movie from start to finish. It, even, I, you know, I don't want to give away surprises, but uh, the surprise of what was a mask and what wasn't. I think I could say that without giving anything away. Uh, next movie I know is when you loved, King Kong Escapes. I thought it was incredibly silly. Um, and, you know, that's not to say I didn't enjoy it, but uh, it, it, it didn't give me the great sense of pleasure like it did give you. Uh, following that was House of Frankenstein. Uh, if anything, it suffered from having too much going on, too many monsters. Uh, sometimes it's hard to keep track of uh, what was going on with which creature, but I think I think the Wolfman is really the character that shined in that movie. Uh, next up was Creepshow. As an anthology, it was really a mixed bag, but I think, in my opinion, each story was better than the last. I mean, like, the first story, I hardly enjoyed at all, but by the end, when you get to, like, the crate, uh, great, great movie. Uh, finally, at the end of the night was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Never seen that before. Now that I've seen it, I don't ever need to see it again. Uh, I, I'm not sure why people enjoy it so much. I mean, yeah, it was well done on a shoestring budget, but man, it's nothing but torture porn, and that's not my bag. Finally, the last movie, uh, horror movie that I've watched in the last few days was The uh, Monster at of Lake. Boy, I hope I just said that right because I'm not even sitting at home. But, uh, yeah, Christopher Rare Mims movie, which I won, uh, during trivia at the Joyce of the Scarathon, uh, answering literally the only question that was asked that I knew the answer to. So I'm glad I got picked for that one. Let's hear it from Mad Monster Party, my winning answer. Uh, anyway, so I watched that last night with, uh, Jen and JJ, and we had a really great time. It's so much fun. Uh, Yeah, I just love, I I love the feel that he puts, that Christopher puts into these movies. He really does both honor, but at the same time, sometimes make a little fun of these classic movies, uh, especially the sexism of the male characters. I mean, if this was something from the 50s, it would have been, yeah, they, they actually meant it. But you could tell that the sexism of the professor and the two uh, teenage boys uh, was just being done, to, you know, to kind of kind of show us, yeah, see what morons they were back in the 50s. And uh, the women characters, I think, made it clear that they knew what was going on. They knew that, you know, this wasn't real sexism. But, man, what a fun movie. What a fun monster. Anyway, I had a great time. Thanks for providing that prize. And, again, I hope you and yours have a happy Halloween. Thanks for listening.
0: Bye. You've never seen American Werewolf in London. I can't imagine a better place to see it than the drive-in. Wow. That would be awesome. That would be amazing. And it's a wonderful film. The special makeup effects in that, the transformation sequence, it's the standard. It really is. You can't top that with CG. I don't think you can top that at all, really. I mean, that's the pinnacle, isn't it? It's good stuff. Halloween, of course, it's a classic as well. John Carpenter. John Carpenter. Really helped kickstart the slasher genre. It wasn't the first slasher film, but you know, it really had a big impact. Okay, let's talk about the movies that you saw at Scarathon. Okay, House of Wax, King Kong Escapes, House of Frankenstein Creep Show, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Would I put House of Wax as the best of the five of those four? Yeah, yeah, I think I would agree with you. I love King Kong Escapes. I really do. And I acknowledge that it's incredibly silly, but there's just something about it that I really dig. House of Wax, though. It's a scary film. It's beautiful. It's lush. The 3D effects are amazing, especially considering the director only had one eye. Come on. House of Frankenstein. Too many monsters. I, I don't really have a problem with that because I like all the monsters. I think maybe it could be a little bit longer, though, to accommodate each monster's story a little bit more. And the Dracula stuff does feel like it's a separate thing. But anyway, I mean, it's still a fun movie. I really like it. But you're absolutely right. I think the Wolfman, he really carries the film. He's the through line. Once you get to the second Wolfman film, you know, when he meets up with Frankenstein and that sort of thing. These house movies, the rest of the universal shared cinematic universe is... They really are about the Wolfman. Yeah, Dracula's in there. That's cool. Frankenstein's monster. That's cool. Random hunchback assistant. All right, whatever. But really, these stories are all the Wolfman's stories. They're all Talbot's stories. And yeah, there is that hiccup with House of Dracula, him getting, well, cured. And then in Abbott and Costello, he's got it again. But whatever. I mean, the movies are fun. And if you look at them, Beyond the surface, you can still get a lot out of them, but they're also fun, and, and it's it's a blast. Creep Creepshow. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a classic. I mean, no no doubt. It's a classic. George Romero directed, and uh, The Man Was a Master. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Look, it's one of these movies that I think it's important for the subgenre and maybe the genre. As a DIY enthusiast, I love that they were able to pull that movie off. I don't know if I'd go as far as calling it torture porn because it's not really that gory, but it is very uncomfortable. All the extreme close-ups of her screaming at the table while Leatherface and family are sitting around and, you know, Grandpa with the hammer, they're, oh, it's uncomfortable. Anyway, it's not something I needed to see on the big screen. Um, So, yeah, kind of glad I went to go see Cat People. You should have come with us, man. Monster of Phantom Lake, Christopher R. Mim's first film, what started the Mimiverse, and I'm so thrilled that you enjoyed it. And I was actually talking with somebody else, Dominique Lamsey's actually, on Facebook the other day where she was asking me about the Lost Skeleton of Cadaver films and if I'm a fan of those. And I know a lot of people do like them, and and I kind of go back and forth. I'm kind of hit and miss hot and cold with those movies because while I do feel like they do pay tribute to the 50s, movies, the sci-fi movies of that era, sometimes I feel like their playfulness is a little much more spoofery, spoofery, is that a word? Well, I mean, they spoof the genre, whereas I feel like with MIM, a lot of times these movies just happen to be a movie that's set during that period. They just happen to be made that way. And, And while there is comedy and while there is humor, I never really got the impression they were quote unquote making fun of the films as opposed to having fun with the subject matter and the genre overall. I don't know. I've said a few times on Facebook that I would love to see an epic rap battle of history between Christopher R. Mim and Larry Blaymire, the director of The Lost Skeleton of Cadavera. Not that they have a B for anything. In fact, I think they communicate online every once in a while. But I, I, it's, it's just a different style. And I'm glad you enjoyed Monster Phantom Like so much. The sexism, the poking at that and kind of illustrating that. You were there for the giant spider when we showed that at the Joy a couple years ago, weren't you? Because... That's in that movie. Well, it's in all the movies, really. It's an acknowledgement without making fun of I, I don't know. It's Wednesday afternoon when I'm recording this. And I've got a lot on my mind uh, outside of Monster Kid Radio. So maybe this isn't the best time to respond to this. But I'm bottom line, I'm glad you enjoyed the film. Jeff, thank you for sharing your Halloween experiences with us. And thank you for calling in. <laughs>
4: Mad Monster Party!
5: Mad Monster Party! Starring Boris Karloff and, in order of their appearance... Dracula! Frankenstein! The Werewolf! The Hunchback!
3: The Mummy! Dr. Jekyll! (laughs) Mr. Hyde! And,
5: in order of his disappearance... The
3: Invisible Man!
5: Also starring Phyllis Diller! As the hostess with the leaks. Uh, 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 uh,
6: uh. Mad Monster party. A party!
4: They're playing your song. Let's
6: dance.
5: <laughs> it's a come as you are party that's out of this world. You don't get invited, you get
3: committed.
5: It's a psychedelic scare. with the groove ghouls of all
3: time? <laughs> Mad monster party.
4: Punch <laughs> yeah. anyone? It's a blast.
6: Yeah. Matthew!
2: look. Nothing can destroy it. It's coming for you from space to wipe all living things from the face of the Earth. Beware of the creeping unknown. This woman is about to learn a terrible secret. She will never be the same again. Because this man knows that same secret, he will never speak again. Both of them has come terror in the form of the Creeping Unknown. Three men went into outer space. Only one of them came back. Came back a strange, distorted creature, haunted and possessed by something beyond human understanding. What was the terrible secret he
3: could not tell them? There's a whole new world out there, a wilderness, uncharted. And he's been there, and come back. He's got the map. Unlock his mind for me, Briscoe, and find it. I know you can do it. It isn't just I know the uh, strain and tension you've been under, but to stop now, when we're so close.
2: Brian Donlevy, he dared an experiment that shocked a nation.
3: You've destroyed him like you've destroyed everything else you've touched, Kent. There's no room for
2: personal feelings in science, Judith. An experiment that created the creeping unknown.
3: I want to call around the entire area. Evacuate all public. Get information to check up every movement that's likely to take place inside this radius tonight. Yes, sir. Warn everyone not to touch anything unusual they may find in the streets.
0: be cool like Jeff or Dwight you can always call us and leave us a voicemail at our voicemail line it's 503-479-5657 it's 503-4795 MKR our email address is monsterkidradio at gmail.com if you want to send us an email or put your own recording together and send it in we can play it here on the show and include you in the mix of course this contact information is available over on our website at monsterkidradio.net where you can also find links to our Facebook page and our Facebook group and everything else we've got going on here at the show there's always a link in the show notes to our t public store where you can buy a monster kid radio t-shirt keep checking out t public because they tend to do these 14 dollars sales a lot and when that happens it means you can get a monster kid radio t-shirt for 14 bucks plus shipping it's a lot better than anything you could ever get at zazzle i'm just saying so just a couple of things on a personal note just real quick some things that i mentioned earlier in the show uh first of all I mentioned I'm doing this on a Wednesday with other things on my mind. I'm actually going to the doctor tonight to get my head examined. Okay. Actually, I'm getting an MRI. I've got pretty bad tinnitus or tinnitus these days. And the ENT doctor wants to make sure that, uh, you know, it's not something other than just ringing in the ears. If there's like a physical thing and going on. So fingers and tentacles crossed that they don't find anything. Uh, but, but the other thing that I wanted to ask and more on a personal, level. I mentioned earlier in the show when I was talking with Andrew about working at a power company and what would happen if Gamera was involved and Gamera showed up or, you know, any giant monster really showed up, wanted to do something at the power plant or the power company. Um, I I work at the power company, but I'm currently looking for something else. And I've mentioned this on Facebook before. This isn't my day job, as much as I would love for it to be. Obviously, it's not my day job. I've got to have something that has a, a regular income stream. So, Really, I'm looking for something that I could work around building Monster Kid Radio and the Monster Kid Radio Network and other creative things that need to be happening here soon. So to that end, I'm looking for some sort of legitimate work-from-home job. If any of my listeners out there know of any kind of work-from-home employment opportunities that are legitimate that aren't scams because when you go to google and just start looking up work from home you stumble across a lot of schemes where you have to send people money and i'm not interested in that i'm looking for a legitimate thing if anybody's got any ideas drop me an email anyway back to the monster kid radio business what's happening next week we have another person coming to the show somebody brand new the man from the Hitless Wonder movie blog, Dan Day Jr., who I met at Monster Bash. He and I talked at Bash, and he told me what one of his favorite movies was, and I figured let's have him on the show to talk about 1973's The Creeping Flesh.
3: Frankenstein's monster can be destroyed by fire. Dracula, by a silver stake driven through his heart. But nothing, nothing the veil against the absolute evil of the creeping flesh the creeping flesh from columbia pictures rated pg parental guidance suggested
0: christopher lee peter cushing directed by freddie francis how can you go wrong well check out the movie between now and next week and then come back and hear what Dan and I have to say about it on episode 345 between now and then remember that monster kid radio is a registered service mark of monster kid radio LLC all original content of monster kid radio by monster kid radio LLC is licensed under a creative commons attribution non commercial no derivatives 3.0 unported license of course it doesn't apply to the song in the soup that belongs to the band the island girls a really cool surf band out of Nova Scotia check them out at the island girls dot com and pick up their self-titled album 11 Tracks and you name your price. So go check them out and let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao.